Well, hey there, everyone. This is Dana Shea, and you are listening to Real Relationship Talk. You guys, I am so excited about today's episode. This is episode 17, and today I have the enormous privilege of introducing to many of you and presenting to others of you Mort Fertel. Mort has been a longtime marriage mentor of mine, and he didn't even know it. Mort has been someone that I have been following for years. I remember probably seven or eight years ago when Sean and I were really just starting the process of restoring our marriage, and I met Mort online. And I don't even know, honestly, how I met him, how I came across his program, but what I do know is that it was a godsend for me. It was just one of the most trying times in our marriage, and I was honestly just ready to throw in the towel. I was done. I was tired of trying. I was tired of doing things that weren't working, and the wisdom that I gleaned from Mort and from what he offers really helped along with our marriage counselor and, of course, the Lord (laughs) to really restore our marriage. And so when I reached out to Mort, I was so excited when he immediately responded and said, yes, he would come on the podcast. And what a blessing this conversation is going to be for you. What a blessing Mort has been for me and my life. But before we get into our episode today, we do have a Q&A with Dana Shea segment. So this person actually emailed me and the email says, Hi Dana, I recently listened to your episode on forgiveness. It hurts so much listening to that episode. I started to turn it off, but instead I kept on listening. I really believe that God had you and your husband do that episode just for me. I don't really have a question, but just really want you to pray for me that I will learn how to forgive my husband. I realized after listening to your episode that my heart is very hardened toward him. So I guess I just need help with that. Thank you for being so honest and real. It is helping so many people like me. Signed, Sad But Hopeful. So to this person who is just calling herself Sad But Hopeful, I obviously know who she is because she emailed me. Um, I just want to tell you that I know that sometimes when we listen to episodes on forgiveness and shame and things like that, it can be very, very difficult. And I have dedicated my life, my efforts to really helping couples who are struggling. You know, there are so many couples who put on the facade, they pretend like everything is all good. Trust me, I know I've been there. But I really want to help those couples who know that they have problems, who have tried a lot of things and those things haven't worked. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's have real conversations. Let's talk about these dangers. That's why this whole relationship series was called Relationship Mistakes That Are Wrecking Your Life. Let's talk about those things that are sabotaging our relationships so that we can grow. So I will absolutely pray for you. And I am praying for all of you who might be struggling with forgiveness, who might be struggling with shame or apathy or comparison or fear or any of the other relationship mistakes that we have referred to in this series. So keep in mind, if you would like to be featured on Q&A with Dana Shea, or if you just have a relationship question that you would like for me to answer, go ahead and shoot me an email at qanda at danashea.com. That's the letter Q 
the word and, and the letter A at danashay.com. You can also reach out to me on Facebook at The Real Relationship Talk or Instagram at Real Relationship Talk and direct message me your question there. Well, you guys, before we get into our episode with more, I do have an exciting announcement for you. Check this out. Today's episode is brought to you by Dana Shea Relationship and Marriage Coaching. Married women, I'm bringing you a live workshop where we will dive into your deepest desires as a wife and help you maximize your marriage for real. Join me for a live intensive two-hour workshop in person or online on Tuesday, December 15th, 2020 at 7 p.m. Eastern, where we will gather as a group of married women to discuss our rights and our wrongs. This marriage workshop is for women only. And sis, you will leave not only feeling inspired, but also empowered. You have the right to be loved. You have the right to be secure. And you have the right to help your husband maximize his potential. But let's be real. You're also probably unknowingly committing some wrongs that are sabotaging your success. Join an amazing group of women for a time of learning and group discussion on how to rediscover your potential and your power as a wife. The workshop is only $39 and will fill up quickly. Due to COVID restrictions, we only have space for a limited amount of live attendees. So whether you want to join us live in person or live online, be sure to head on over to danashay.com slash coaching to get your tickets. Let's take women's rights to a whole new level. Let's show women what their purpose and power really is in marriage. Head over to danashay.com slash coaching and register today. All right, well, we're about to get into our episode today. I just want to let you know, I did have a couple of little audio issues. So if you hear a little bit of humming, I was not able to get that out of post-production. So if you hear that, there's nothing wrong with your phone or with your radio or with your computer or wherever you're listening to this. Go ahead and ignore that because the content is so rich, so good. I promise you're going to be pausing this episode. You're going to want to take notes. And you are definitely going to want to get Mort's book called Marriage Fitness. We refer to it in the episode. Go ahead and get your copy and join me in this amazing, thought-provoking, super challenging conversation that I had with our guest today, Mort Fertel. So again, thank you so much, Mort, for being here on the podcast today. I'm really excited for the Real Relationship Talk community to be able to hear from you. I know that I've been on your email list for several years, and I have your book, uh, Marriage Fitness, and we're going to talk a little bit from the book today. Um, And of course, we're going to talk about what are some things that you're actually doing today or to date, I should say, in helping marriages. So I want to ask you just right out of the gate. Um, your approach to marriage restoration is quite different than most marriage counseling because you don't really focus on what most counselors focus on, which are the problems that couples are having. And so can you maybe tell us a little bit about why you've taken this different approach? Sure. There's a few reasons. First, I'm a very practical person, and that approach of focusing on the problems just doesn't work. 
<laughs> and I like to do things that work. So why doesn't it work? It doesn't work because what most people identify as the problems in a relationship are really not the problem. They're really symptomatic of an underlying core problem. And so when a couple goes to marriage counseling or marriage therapy, you know, the counselor very often will ask what's wrong and the people will list the whole series of problems and issues that they're dealing with. And then they'll go and attack and deal with those issues. But those issues are, it's what they're feeling. It's what they're experiencing, but it's really not um, what the core problem is. The core problem is what is causing those issues. And so if you get to the root of what really is causing the problems, uh, then that makes the problems go away. As one of my own students said, I get it more. He said, the problems don't actually get resolved. They just dissolve. And that's exactly right. Because if you work on the core problem, by the way, what's the core problem? The core problem in every broken marriage is the same. It's a lack of a connection between a husband and wife. And all the things we complain about are all stemming from that lack of connection. And if we can restore the connection, then the problems go away. As long as you try to hack at the problems instead of getting to the root, you'll be spending a lot of time and energy and you won't really get anywhere. Mm -hmm. I think as you're talking, I think about a tree, you know, that has dead branches and most of the branches are dead. You can cut down all the branches, but that doesn't mean that the tree is going to just magically produce new life, new fruit, if there's something going on with the root. So I love that you focus on the root problem because that's, that's where it's at. Um, it's a great analogy. Great. And, there, and there's so many good analogies in life that fit this, um, this situation. I mean, let's take, for example, our physical health. You know, if you have a, a rash or some sort of something on your skin. So it's true. You can go to the dermatologist and he can give you some topical cream and it might temporarily uh, heal things. But it's rare that the problem is on the top. The problem is usually on the inside. It's some dietary adjustment that's required. It's some imbalance internally, something like that. And if we can, if, if you can really understand what's causing that rash, then you can really solve the problem at the root level. Right. And I think that's why a lot of people go to marriage counseling is because they're trying to figure out what's causing this rash. But one of the things that you write in the book, Marriage Fitness, is most couples complain that the worst day of their week is the day that they go to therapy together. <laughs> and I couldn't help but to laugh when I read that because I can attest to that. You know, I've been in marriage counseling with my husband. We've been married for 21 years. And over the course of the 21 years, we've done different forms of counseling. And it's usually very tense. We leave not talking. So why do you think that something that is supposed to actually help your marriage a lot of times is actually making it, it's furthering the disconnection with couples? Well, one of the reasons is because we just talked about it, because people have an intuitive sense that sitting here talking about our problems and issues is not helping. And that's very frustrating because I'm spending this time, I'm spending this money, I'm spending this energy. I want it to help. And they are just sensing that this is not productive. That's one reason. Um, another reason is it's just a negative experience, right? I mean, we're taking the argument from the kitchen table into somebody's office and we're just mired in all the negativity of the situation. It's just, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Um, and uh, it just doesn't feel good. 
you know, what, what feels good is to implement, you see, the key to solving marital crisis is not fixing what's wrong, it's making new things right. And making new things right actually feels good too. It's fun. It feels productive. I feel like I'm doing something that's useful. It's moving things in the right direction. The whole reason I'm here before you, Mort, or, or this or counselor or professional, whatever, is because my marriage has fallen apart. It's because I've been miserable. I've been unhappy. Can you help me? So what, I'm going to help by asking them about all the problems and issues they're having. Now they're going to regurgitate all those problems, and I'm going to transfer the argument they were having from the kitchen table to my office. That's not going to be any good. Right? I want to give them a new experience. That's what they're looking for. And I want to give them a positive experience. That's what they're looking for. And the way you do that is by employing new marital habits that are, that are purposeful, that are functional, that are healthy, and that actually have the chance of producing some goodwill and good feeling. I love that. You know, I, as you're talking about producing new habits, I think many of us know exactly what that's like on the, on the physical fitness side. If we want to lose weight, we can't just think about all the things that didn't work. We have to actually start new habits. We have to learn how to eat for our body size. We need to learn what a, a real portion is like, not the Americanized portion. We need to learn how to, how to incorporate rest and all of those things. And do you find that a lot of the couples that you work with just have no idea how to create those healthy habits in their marriage? Absolutely. It's an unbelievable thing. If you ask a doctor, a surgeon, how to perform surgery, he could tell you. I went to school. I read books. I had mentors. Here's how you do it. If you go to a computer program and you ask him how to do coding, he could tell you. He went to school. He read books. Here's how you do it. If you go to LeBron James and you ask him how to shoot a free throw, he could tell you. He had coaches. Right? He may, maybe read books or watched videos, and he practiced a ton. Now, it's an unbelievable thing. We go to get married. Nobody has to read a book. Nobody has to have a coach. Nobody has to have any clue about how to do it. All you have to do is be able to sign your name. And there, voila, you're married, as if this doesn't take skill. But it does take skill. There is a wisdom behind making this work. And if one could just understand what are the principles and practices that make this thing successful, learn them and employ them, they would be dramatically more likely to succeed. But we have this ridiculous notion that, oh, if, it, if it's that much work, there must be something wrong with my marriage. Really? Where'd you get such an idea? Can you, can you point to anything else in your life where that concept applies? There is nothing. That's not the way the world works. To, to, to achieve a certain level of competence in anything, right, requires wisdom and an and effort and energy. Um, knowledge. You know, marriage is like anything else. There's a way to do it. And most people don't know what that way is, which is very sad. And that's what I do is in the Marriage Fitness Teleboot Camp, this program that I have, that's exactly what I'm doing is I'm teaching people what are the principles and practices that drive a successful marriage? And as soon as you know them, it's like, wow, this is amazing. You know? mm, it's fine. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, you know, your program, you've said has a 90% success rate, which is incredible. 
And I think that there's so many couples who do get discouraged because they've gone to counseling, they've tried all of these things. And, and I believe the root of it is because they're focusing so much on the problems and not creating these healthy habits. I think that's such a huge paradigm shift for so many of us. Um, and so thank you for bringing that out. I want to ask you, because they're, at least in my experience, a lot of times I work with couples and one spouse is more committed to change than the other. Many times it's the wife. The wife is the one willing to read the books, go to the conferences, and the husband's like, ah, you know, a little bit apprehensive. Now, you say that you can actually help couples, even if you're a, quote, single spouse, even if one spouse isn't as committed to the process. How so? Because a relationship is a system, and the system is composed of two people in the relationship, And the outcome of the relationship is a result of the contribution that those two people are making. Now, of course, it's better if both people are on board and making a positive effort to try to change the relationship, but it's not necessary. All I have to do is change one component in that system and I get a different outcome. And ironically, very often, it's that new outcome as a result of one person changing. It is exactly what was necessary to motivate the other person to get in the process. So sometimes, often, I'll have people come to me, particularly those coming from marriage counseling or therapy, because typically with a marriage counselor or therapist, they're like, where's your husband or where's your wife? I mean, if they're not here, I can't help you. That's the most ridiculous thing that I ever heard of. Of course, I can help you. Of course I can help you. You're ready to do the work. Let's go to work. Let's be productive. And the work that we do and the changes that are result in your relationship because of the work we do is what's going to motivate your husband or wife to join you in the process. It's like if I'm in a chemistry lab and I take chemical A and chemical B and I mix them together and I get chemical C. But if I do a new experiment and I want a different outcome, I don't have to change both chemicals. All I have to do is change one. So... We all, um, you know, and and this is difficult for people because generally when people find themselves in marital crisis, what they want to talk about is what their spouse is doing wrong. They're experts at confessing all their spouse's sins. And the reason why that's so compelling is because in most cases it's true. But the problem is it's also true that you've committed a lot of sins It's also true that there's a lot of work that you have to do. When you're pointing the finger at yourself, there's three pointing back at you. And I've never, sorry, when you're pointing the finger at someone else, there's three fingers pointing back at you. I've never seen a situation ever, 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 I've been doing this a long time where there's not dual responsibility. So there's work for you to do, whoever you are, and that work can make a change in the marriage. Now, would it be better if your spouse joined? Of course. Would there be a greater impact if your spouse did the work too? Of course, but that's not the situation you're in right now. So instead of crying and complaining about it, let's go to work and be productive. That's really, that's really deep. That's sobering. What do you believe that that is also true of couples who are dealing with infidelity? Like I work with couples who are a lot of times in the early stages of a fair recovery and one spouse, the one who, uh, I, hate to, I hate to use the word victim, but the, the spouse, the offended spouse, I should say, a lot of times is, is the one that's initiating a lot of the work where the, the spouse who actually committed adultery is not as invested in the process. How do you tell, a, a, let's say a wife who found out that her husband was having an affair, how do you tell her that she's 
partly responsible for what happened and have her not throw things at you? <laughs> it's very simple. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but the affair didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened in the context of a broken marriage. Happy spouses don't cheat. Affairs don't lead to broken marriages. Broken marriages lead to affairs. And if your marriage was broken, I'll say it again, sorry if it's repetitive, there was dual responsibility. So it's the easiest thing in the world to point the finger at the adulterer and say, this is all his fault. And again, it's easy because it's compelling because it's true. It is his fault or her fault. The betrayer made a huge mistake. There's no question about it. And if you want to be right, then you can point the finger at them and you can be right and you'll end up divorced. If you want to be effective, then let go of the need to be right and start being honest that there's things you can do here that would help and be productive. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but I'm just very practical with people. You know, if you want to exit the marriage pointing at the, your adulterer spouse, you'll feel justified, but you'll be divorced. Do you want to be divorced? Okay, if you want to be divorced, don't talk to me. Go talk to an attorney. If you want to save your marriage, stop complaining and let's go to work on what you can do to make a difference. And there's plenty. If your spouse is having an affair, there's plenty. It Tr is the true. truth can be painful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, often I'll hear more that people will say, you know, well, I think I just married the wrong person. I made a mistake and I just chose the wrong person. What do you say to couples who think that way? The key to succeeding in marriage is not finding the right person. It's becoming the right person. They weren't the wrong person when you married them. Why not? You're telling me they changed that much? I doubt it. What changed was the underlying connection between the two of you evaporated. And when the connection evaporates, we experience each other completely different in the relationship. Cinderella said, am I beautiful because you love me or do you love me because I'm beautiful? The answer is that she's beautiful because I love her. When we feel a deep sense of connection with our spouse, it changes the way we view our spouse and our marriage. And when we lose that connection, it changes it in the negative direction. It's like um, when people, you know, initially in their relationship, they feel a deep sense of connection and they're very close. There are no problems in the relationship or very few. And they don't have any communication gaps. They can finish each other's sentences and read each other's minds. And this is before they hardly knew each other. Now here we are 10, 15 years later, the marriage has fallen apart. Uh, I've read about Mars, she learned about Venus. We, we, we learned about all the best communication techniques known to psychology. And we can't say two words to each other and understand what each other's talking about. What, why is that? We're masters of communication techniques. How could that be? Because you can practice all the communication techniques you want. If the underlying connection is not there there, there, there won't be the flow of communication. You won't be understanding each other. You won't feel understood. And so, um, you know, sometimes I uh, work with people who are a little bit older, let's say in their, 
gosh, I'm, I'm getting into that age where I'm a little, I'm, I'm that little bit older. Right. I'm Be careful now. <laughs> but like sixties and seventies. Okay. That's older than me, but you know, they're on like their third marriage, let's say for example. And they'll be telling me about the story of their first marriage and the story of their second marriage. And now the story of the third marriage that they're trying to save and how it's her fault or his fault. And I have to share with them, gee, you know, it's interesting. I hear these stories. I, I understand your perspective that it was, you know, your, your, your previous spouse's fault about why all this happened. But I do notice that there's one thing all these situations have in common. It's funny. You were there all three times. <laughs> That's good. Oh, so true. Whoa. The truth is so difficult. <laughs> yeah. The truth is so difficult, you know? So you know, you tried three times to find the right person. Do you think maybe that's not the problem? Right. Now, it's it's a little more difficult to explain that to a 30-something or a 40-something-year-old that's in the first marriage, but they're, they're, they're no different. They're just, they're just 20 years before, you know? So I, I just, I, I don't, I think it's a cop-out. Uh, I, I don't buy it. I don't, I don't believe in 99.99% of marriages, I don't believe that that's why the marriage fails. Marriage fails for the same reason that we fail to have a good percentage in our jump shot, for the same reason that we fail to be able to know how to perform surgery or argue a case or reconcile a balance sheet. It's because we don't know how to do it. Great. There's a quote that you wrote in the book, and I'm going to read it. So you say that failed marriages eventually succeed because at least one spouse commits to doing small things in great ways over an extended period of time. And I love that. I have that highlighted in my book. Um, And this reminds me of a Martin Luther King Jr. quote um, that he said, if I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. So what does this look like in practical terms? We've been talking about couples who need to learn how to reconnect. How can a couple who is on way opposite ends of the spectrum, who have been disconnected for years, who maybe I'm thinking of a couple who they haven't slept in the same room for 10 years, they're basically roommates. What are some practical steps that they can start to do today to move toward each other? So this is one of the great challenges of marriage. And I wish I had an easy answer, an easy solution. But just so you all know what to expect here in a couple minutes down the line, I don't have an easy solution to this or an easy answer. But one of the great challenges of marriage is that marriage happens in the mundane When you arrive at your annual Christmas party where you see your second cousin once removed, the whole relationship is centered around that annual encounter. And you can get dressed up and you can look your best and you can be on your best behavior. And regardless what happened at work or at home, you can put on a show and you can ask great questions and everything can go great. And the relationship, you know, carries itself until the next big holiday party or, you know, family occasion. And there's many, many, many relationships in our life where they're, they're intermittent. And so we can get psyched up for significant occasions that can carry the relationship. Marriage is the opposite. Our marriage cannot be carried by an anniversary celebration. Our marriage cannot be carried by an annual vacation. Marriage is carried in the mundane day-to-day encounters that we experience every day with our spouse. It's not very exciting. 
It's not very sexy, but it's true. You know, it's it's how you wake up in the morning and do you acknowledge your spouse? You know, wish them a good morning, give them a kiss, give them a hug. Do you make them a cup of coffee? Do you smile? What's your energy and your attitude? You know, when you come home, do you pull out your phone and are you distracted or are you focused on them? Do you care about their day? Did you call them in the middle of the day just to say hello, to demonstrate that you're thinking about them and you care about them? You know, did you bring them home a little cup of Starbucks with their favorite flavor? I mean, there's just a whole plethora of simple little things and little interactions throughout the day that add up to everything. You know, that, that's the marriage, right? It's not just like, were you there for me when, you know, God forbid my mother or father died? Okay, that's important, but it's not going to carry the relationship. Like ultimately what really determines the level of connection on a day-to-day basis is how you treat each other on a day-to-day basis. Marriage is a huge feat, but you know how to jump 10 feet high? You can do it. 10 feet. I don't care what kind of shape you're in physically. You can jump 10 feet high. You know how? One inch at a time. One inch at a time. That's marriage. One inch at a time. People come to me all the time with a marital crisis, and they'll say to me straight out, sometimes it's not so clear, but sometimes it's really clear. They'll just say, tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. I'm desperate. I'll do anything you say. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it if it'll save my marriage. And it's true. They would. They would do anything I would say. The question is, would you do a few dozen things that I would say? And would you do those few dozen things every day for the next six months, regardless of how your spouse responds? Well, I don't know, Mort. (laughs) That sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) Any one thing I'll do once, no matter how hard it is. I get that. The problem is there is no one thing you can do that's going to turn this around. I'm going to have to give you dozens and dozens and dozens of things to do every single day, and none of them alone are going to seem very special. None of them are going to alone are going to seem very magical. But you put them all together, and you put them in together a six-month effort, wow. That's transformative. That sounds amazing. I think, it, again, I just can't help but to think about the physical fitness side. You know, many of us, we, we, we have this desire to look good for the summer vacation or for the wedding, our friend's wedding that's coming up. And so we want to do all these things for that event. And then when we don't see success, we fall off the wagon, we become discouraged, we start these ugly cycles. And that is what happens, I think, in a lot of marriages, is that they're looking at this event, marriage as this like event, instead of looking at it as these small practical things that you have to do. And the momentum that you build when you're consistently doing those things over time is what builds a really healthy marriage. So, 100%. Yeah. And if you think about it, that's true of anything in our life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, can we imagine, you know, it's, it's football season, right? Can you imagine these great athletes lying on the couch all year long and showing up for the big game and saying, I'm ready. Coach, right. I'll do whatever you say, you know? Yeah. I'll try as hard as you want today on Sunday. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's a lifestyle to achieve at that at that level of competency is a matter of lifestyle. It's the same in marriage. 
Got it. Now, I know that there are dozens and dozens, as you said before, dozens of things that couples can do, but there are also seven secrets that you have that couples can fix their marriage. How can people find out about those seven secrets? I don't want to, I don't want you to give them away. Obviously, people need to go find out what they are, but how, how can people find out more about you more and how can they actually find out what those seven secrets are? I actually do give them away for free and you can get them on my website, seven secrets for fixing your marriage at marriagemax.com and just type in your name and email address and I'll send it to you for free. Awesome. Well, you, as as I said before we started recording, you have been a, such a blessing, even from afar. This is the first time that we've actually had to have a, a face-to-face, if you will, conversation, but you've been such a blessing to me. And I'm just so grateful for the work that you've done and the lives of so many marriages. I think this whole notion of learning how to steward your connection better and not just focus on the problems, that is going to be a game changer for so many couples. So thanks again for being here today. I really appreciate you. So I want to know how many of you all actually took notes. Come on, raise your hand. That's right. I see you. I did too. You know, I get the privilege of talking to all of our amazing guests that I've interviewed for this podcast. And when I go back in post-production to get the podcast all prettied up for your listening ears, I get to hear them again. And then just like you, when the podcast episodes are released every Tuesday at 6.30 a.m. Eastern, I listen to them again. And so listening to Mort several times now, I'm just so, just so, so grateful for all of what he shared. And listen, I know that you might not agree with every single thing that he said. There were some things that he said that challenged me and my thinking. But guess what? If we're not hearing anything that's rubbing up against our normal way of thinking, if you're not being challenged in some of your beliefs, if what I'm saying on these episodes or what you're hearing the guests say doesn't make you go, hmm, then maybe, just maybe, you're not growing. And I want you to grow. I want you to change. I want your relationships to be amazing. I want your marriages to be fruitful and effective in everything that God intended for them to be. So again, big, big thanks to Mort Fertel for everything that he shared on our episode today. Again, his book is called Marriage Fitness. It is Four Steps to Building and Maintaining Phenomenal Love. The foreword was actually written by Dr. John Gray, who wrote the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Many of us are familiar with that book. So go ahead and check out Mort's book. You can find that on Amazon.com or Mort's website at marriagefitness.com. Well, I want to encourage those of you who have heard the promos for the upcoming workshop that I'm doing, Married Women's Rights and Wrongs. Be sure to register for that. At the taping of this podcast episode, we are just over a week away from that live workshop. Super excited about that. You can find more details about the workshop over at danashay.com slash coaching. And of course, if you are interested in marriage coaching, I would love to talk to you. You can schedule your free consultation over at danashay.com slash coaching. So thank you all so very much for listening to this episode. Keep those reviews and subscribes and shares coming on through together, together, together. We are going to help couples to build reconnection in their relationship while helping to grow our own relationships into everything that God purposed for them to be. I appreciate you all so very much. Have a great rest of your week and I will see you on the next episode.
Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.